Scaling Up Nation, Trace Blackmore here, your host for Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we are scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up any of our water treatment systems. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Radical Polymers. Nation, running a water treatment business is hard. Dealing with your suppliers shouldn't be. And when I deal with the fine folks over at Radical Polymers, I have always felt like I have had a partner. They test things in the environment that we are going to use their products. They also make sure that if I have any questions, that I get the answer that I am looking for. Mike and the fine folks over at Radical Polymers answer the phones. Folks, when was the last time you actually talked with somebody when you had a technical support question? Well, they make your issues their issues and they get right down to the problem. They offer best-in-class technologies with the first-class support that I just mentioned. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash radical to find out more. How are you, Nation? I am bringing a show to you today that is made possible because you out there in the Scaling Up Nation has responded to me by asking me a question that we are going to talk about on today's show. So we would not have a show had it not been for someone letting me know what to talk about. So folks, I got to tell you that is so very important that you keep me primed with information so I am bringing the correct things to you. As I mentioned on the top of the show, we would not have this show had it not been for the number one fan of Scaling Up H2O, James McDonald. And I tell you, James McDonald has just been so good to Scaling Up H2O. He was one of the first people that I reached out to when I had the idea to start Scaling Up H2O. And he said it was a tremendous idea and he would support me in any way that he could. Well, folks, I don't know if you know this, but James McDonald has a huge following on LinkedIn and some other social media groups. And he started these things and he asked questions every single day and people reply back with their answers. And it's so very interesting how large his community has become. And when I told him about the podcast, he immediately announced it on his community. And James, you really got us started off right. So thank you for that. Of course, we can thank James McDonald for Industrial Water Week, where we had a day each and every day of the first week of October, where we celebrated what an awesome industry that we are in. Well, James is at it again. And James went on our website and recorded a voicemail for me that is a question that we're going to talk about in today's show. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's James. Hello, Trace. This is James McDonald here. I was curious, how might an industrial water treatment professional use all five of their senses on a daily basis on their jobs to be the best darn water traders they could possibly be. James, thanks so much for that question. I got to tell you that that really makes me think. It's one of those questions that when somebody asks, there are thousands of ways to answer that. 
So let's start with reviewing what the five senses are. So the human body has these five senses. We have sight, smell, hearing, taste, and touch. And when you go to service, if you are servicing that account the same way each and every time, I think if you start thinking, how can I use my five senses to make my service better, easier, faster, more appreciated by my customer, that's where the beauty of James's question comes in. And it really makes you think about all the different things that you can do. You've heard on shows before that when I service accounts or when I teach people how to service accounts, I get them to, in their mind's eye, create a picture of everything that they know about the account. So have you been there before? What do the past service reports say? Within those service reports, what are the issues that either have been solved or need to be solved? Everything that you know about the account, what do you think you're going to walk into when you go to service that account? And that's creating a hypothesis. And now during your service, you are simply proving or disproving your hypothesis. So many water treaters think their only tool is their test kit. And folks, that's not it. The test kit is a sideline item when it comes to using your brain and everything that you know about that account and testing that hypothesis. And moreover about the test kit, the test kit is a phenomenal tool, but there's so many water treaters out there that miss really what is going on with that system because they're too busy working in their test kits and they're not working on the account that they happen to be at. So let's start off the first scent with sight. Now, what are you seeing that you are responsible for? That's the first thing that comes in mind. What is your water treatment program treating? So you're putting some sort of product into your water that is ultimately going to treat some sort of equipment. So my question is, have you actually seen the equipment that you are treating? Have you laid eyes on each and every piece of equipment so you don't have any surprises? We've talked on other shows how important it is to know what skin temperatures are and the difference between bulk water temperature and skin temperatures. If you missed that, the skin temperature is what the interface is that that water is going to come in contact with at the hottest part of whatever the equipment is that you are treating. Now the bulk water is just the average water that's floating around the system, that's recirculating through the system. So on a cooling tower system, if I were to look at the bulk water temperature, the tower water, it might say 85, 90 degrees. But if I were to go up to a chiller, I might find that it was 120 degrees at a certain spot within that chiller that my water comes in contact with. Now, when we run whatever calculation to figure out where scale is going to be a problem, that is the number that I need to use the hottest temperature because that's where I'm going to have a problem. 
Well, Chiller, hopefully you're not going to miss that, but we service all sorts of different accounts. So have you laid eyes on everything that your water is flowing through? And do we know that we are properly managing that system based on that equipment that they have? Do we know the hottest temperatures that we're going to go on? I also have seen customers, especially in areas where they rent out space, maybe office buildings. We have an office building that has a lot of radio stations in it. Well, radio stations bring equipment in that need cooling and they just simply tap on the chilled water of the system or they tap onto the cooling tower water of the system. And now we've got cooling tower water going through this very sophisticated piece of equipment that can't have any fouling in it. Well, folks, if it's hooked up to cooling tower water, it's going to get some fouling in it. And we have to be able to control that. If we don't know that that's in there, we can't treat it properly. And you better believe that when that equipment fails, they're going to be coming to you because you're the one that's responsible for that water treatment program. If you haven't seen it, you can't treat it. So by all means, please ask questions if things have been added to your system and maybe even run through a list. These are the things that I'm responsible for. Has there been anything that I left out of this list? I mentioned service reports earlier, but it's very important that you know what's happened in the past so you can anticipate what's going to happen in the future. If you are looking at your service reports, and I like to go back a minimum of three months, that allows me to prepare better and I don't have to go back to a particular account because I wasn't prepared with something I needed to fix a problem. So just seeing your service reports is definitely going to help. And then the other thing that comes to mind is when was the last time you saw your client? You know, the person that allows you to be in that account. There are so many water treaters out there that think that service is just simply filling out a service report and emailing it or dropping it off in somebody's mailbox. Well, folks, people need to know that you care about what is going on in their systems. And if they don't understand what you are doing, your service does not mean as much as you think that it does. The next sense we'll go to is smell. And Immediately when I think of smell, I think of the lizard brain, the fight or flight reaction that we have in our minds. And if we smell something really bad, that's our body's way of allowing us to know, hey, we need to get out of here. And the first thing that comes to mind with that is ammonia. For those of you that are treating evaporative condensers with ammonia in the refrigeration system, Sometimes those can have a leak. Well, ammonia does not play very well with the human body. So if you have this ammonia smell, you need to get out of that location and let somebody know what is going on. And a lot of times they have different sniffing devices that will alert that there's an issue. There might even be a respirator with some sort of air supply unit around some of the systems that I've seen. So by all means, if you smell something that isn't right, you need to figure out what that is, but do it after the fact that you've got yourself to a safe location. I've seen water treaters smell products to see if they are good or not. 
and I've also seen them do that with reagents. Folks, I'm just not that good. I couldn't tell you what the expiration date is on a reagent based on smelling it. So I say you're probably going to do more damage than good by smelling some of our reagents. Just make sure you keep your test kit where it's well stocked. It's within expiration dates, it's clean, and it's ready to use. I don't think you'll have an issue there. As far as smelling your actual water treatment products, I don't know what that's going to tell you. Uh, some of the things that we're using, I would not recommend that at all. So if that's a quality control measure that you are using to smelling things, I'm going to ask you to find another way to verify if your products are correct. And something that we do is we do a very quick dilution on our products if we ever have something in question and we will run whatever active test, maybe it's an azole test or a phosphate test, something like that. And if we get the right number based on our dilution, we know that that product's okay. So maybe change how you're doing that. Now I have seen people smell samples that they will get from the system and I do this myself. I will smell a closed loop sample and if it smells a certain way, more often than not, it has biological fouling in it. Now this is very qualitative, mind you, but I have found it to be true. I found that if it has a strong, sweet, almost cucumbery odor, normally that leads me to the fact that there's some biological activity higher than normal in that system. And then I back that up with either a dip slide or ATP, and that tells me, was that really the case or not? Now, I will say there have been some times where I found some weird odors in the system, and it wasn't biological, and sometimes you don't even know what the odors are. The thing I will leave you with on this sense is please be careful with this. Some of our products, when they mix together, they do not like each other, and they can create some odors that can knock us out. So folks, take care of yourself. And if you're using smell to figure out if things are right or wrong outside of a water sample, I would really discourage you from doing that. Next up is hearing. And hearing, everybody I think comes to mind, maybe it's just me, but I'm pretty sure you've got this image in your head too, of the chemical feed pump and you can hear almost instantly if that chemical feed pump is primed or not. It makes a very distinct sound. So without even having to walk up to the pump, we can normally tell whether it's primed or not. Well, that's using our hearing. And I think if we apply that to everything in the mechanical room, we can tell what sounds normal and what doesn't sound normal. If you've ever heard a boiler feed water pump come on, you know what that is supposed to sound like. Well, if it comes on and it doesn't sound right, that might be an issue. Maybe a bearing's gone. Maybe something's going on with the workings of the pump and nobody has noticed that yet. And now you, the friendly neighborhood water treater, goes to the person that's in charge of that equipment and lets them know that you noticed something during your regular service. And they're like, wow, well, we've got to order a new pump or a new kit to repack the bearings or whatever they need to do. You are now the reason for that because you knew what it sounded like. 
Same thing with cooling tower and closed loop recirculation pumps. You know what those things are supposed to sound like. And if they're not sounding right, ask a question. Hey, I noticed this has a different pitch. Is it supposed to sound like that? And they say, oh, yeah, we just replaced it or we put a variable frequency drive on it. And that's why it's not as loud as it used to be. By the way, we put a variable frequency drive on this unit. Uh, did you need to know that, Mr. Water Treater? So you can definitely use your senses to find if there is new equipment on there, but then also the equipment that you have doesn't sound like it's supposed to. We always talk to our customer about fan belts on cooling towers. You can definitely hear fan belts when they become loose, and normally they're not out there with us looking at the cooling tower as regularly as we are. Now they might have a maintenance company that might come once a quarter. Well, we're coming once a week or once every two weeks or once every month. So we can now either let the maintenance company know if we've got a good relationship with them that something's going on with the cooling tower belt. Normally it just needs to be tightened or we can let the customer know about that. And then they really get the sense that we appreciate being there so much. We're treating their equipment just like it was our equipment. The next sense is taste. And James, I really struggled with this one but a story that happened to me when I was very young in the water treatment industry came to mind. And I'm going to leave the names out to protect the innocent, but I was working for a company and they sent me down to their Atlanta offices so I could learn more about the core products that we were using, how they QC'd them, what we did with water samples, how we troubleshooted problems for other reps, writing those reports, you know, just training me inside the office. So I was working in the lab and a gentleman called me and said something was wrong with a particular product that we had sent him. Well, I was just really excited that I could run some tests on a retained sample. And for those of you that don't know, most blenders, whenever they blend a product, they draw off maybe 10 ounces or so of sample so they can retain that. So if there's ever an issue, they can pull that out, they can test it, and they can see what went wrong with that. So I very anxiously went out and got the sample. I made a dilution. I tested all these things, and it tested perfectly within all the QC limits that I had on my paper. So I called him back, and I said, look, it's, it's a beautiful product. It's one of the best things I think we've ever made here. And he goes, well, you're not doing your job right because I can tell you something's wrong with it. Well, then I started to ask questions. And there was the learning lesson in this story. You have to ask questions before you just start doing. And now we both get smarter by doing that. Well, he let me know that the product just did not taste properly. Well, folks, I didn't know what to do with that at that moment in time. I asked him not to drink the products anymore, and I think I passed that along up the chain. I'm not sure what actually happened with that. It was a good product. But if you got anything about that story, please don't taste your water treatment wares. That goes for reagents, too. Don't do that. I think Frank LaCrone of Aquaphoenix told a story once where somebody said something was wrong with one of their products because it did not taste right. Folks, don't do that. That does not make sense. And that is not the correct way for you to be QCing products. Now, 
I don't recommend tasting products. I just said that, but I did remember from chemistry class that certain things had different tastes. So we're going to move over to food, not our water treatment wares, but things that are, have a high pH that are caustic, they normally sting the tongue, they have a sharp piercing taste, and things that are more acidic with a low pH are very tart, they're vinegary, they're sour. So if that helps you identify some of the things in your food, by all means use that. And then for those of you out there that are wondering what the tastes are that we have available to us, well, there are five of them, and they are sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and umami. Some of you might be saying, umami, what the heck is that? Well, that, folks, is that flavor that when you get it, it's like, oh, wow, that is the best piece of steak that I have ever had. It's a quality that's associated with meat. And I remember reading somewhere that Heinz ketchup was one of the few condiments that had each of the five flavors in there. I don't know what that's going to do to help you with your water treatment program, but now you have that information. I really enjoy chemistry and I also love cooking because of the chemistry that's involved. And I can make a little change. This is especially true with baking. You make a little change in an ingredient and you can see what that does to the final product. Well, that's just like product blending to me. So I find that very interesting. You might have heard of a chef called Gordon Ramsay. And he's over in the UK, but he has a lot of shows that he does here in the United States. And he actually interviews his future chefs by getting them to taste a dish that he prepares. So the interview is, here, eat this. Now you tell me what the ingredient was that I just used to prepare this dish. Imagine an interview like that. The second part of that interview is he makes every one of his chefs in his restaurants prepare him a scrambled egg. He says that if a chef cannot produce a scrambled egg properly, they are not going to work for him. So if you ever go for an interview with him, now you know. So James, I'm struggling with the taste portion. I'm just going to say, let's protect the Scaling Up Nation out there and stop drinking your water treatment wares. The final one is touch, and this is something that we're going to be using all the time. I'm going to start out with the warning defense, and this is when you go to grab something hot, you know, make sure you know the temperature of it first. So maybe not grab it, maybe just sample touch it to make sure that it's the right temperature. And we deal with a lot of hot things. We've had several shows on boilers because we deal with things that boil. Well, folks, that means hot. That means we can get burned. So we have to take care of ourselves. When I think of getting samples, we're either dealing with a hot system or a closed system. So if we're expecting something to be hot and it's not hot, we instantly know that maybe the equipment is off. Or maybe we took the sample in a bad place because that was an offshoot of the main system and it may not be calling for either heat or cooling at that time. So by all means, we can use our sense of touch to see if we have a good representative sample. 
Another thing that comes to mind is blending products. We were talking earlier about baking is a lot like blending our water treatment products. Well, depending on what we're putting together, we have certain raw materials that will create heat or absorb heat. Now, the fancy names for those is exothermic, that actually gets hotter, and then endothermic, that absorbs heat, so it gets colder. Well, depending on what we're adding next, we can actually use that to heat or cool a product to affect the solubility of what's going in. If we didn't know that, we wouldn't be able to blend the product properly. So when you get your finished water treatment goods, it's a very good chance that somebody used their sense of touch to make sure that everything that needed to be in that product is in that product. The last thing that I'm gonna to add to help in answering James' question is a public service announcement. Folks, we've gotta take care of our five senses or they are not gonna be there to help us find out more about not just what we do in our job, but enjoy life. So when it comes to sight, please use safety glasses. I've seen so many people out there that refuse to use safety glasses and it just takes a second. It takes less than a second for an accident to happen. We're using some stuff in our test kit that could create a problem if it gets in our eyes. And definitely some of our water treatment products will do that as well. Why take the chance? Make sure you have safety glasses. As far as smell, I'm gonna equate that to respiratory. So if you need a paper mask because you're dealing around a particular system, that contamination might be an issue, by all means, use that paper mask. If you're dealing with some of the nastier products that we deal with in our industry, you might wanna get fitted for a respirator. When we talk about hearing, folks, you have to protect your hearing. I think that is the number one thing that hurts water treaters as they get older, they walk into chiller rooms or boiler rooms and they don't wear hearing protection. And then later in life, they can't hear certain pitches. My dad was very big about making sure that we always wore hearing protection. And how you choose to use it is up to you, whether you use the, the small foam earplugs that you roll and stick into your ear, or if you use earmuffs, make sure you're protecting your hearing. Something I will mention about reusable earplugs is how clean are they? Whatever is on that earplug is now going into your ear and your ear canal is a really good absorber. So if you've got some old reagent or product on your gloves and now you're going to roll that in your earplug, not a good idea, folks. Get a new pair. It's not worth it. Those things are cheap. As far as taste, folks, if I don't do anything on this show but educate people to stop drinking their cooling tower products and their reagents, I think that this was a successful show. Don't do that. That's all. We're going to leave that. And then finally is touch. We touch a lot of things that are hot, that are sharp. All these things, you know, when we cut ourselves, we cannot use the most valuable tools that we have our hands. So do you need gloves to protect you from chemicals? Do you need gloves to protect you from heat? Have both of those available to you so you can now use your hands to complete whatever you need to do. Folks, the bottom line is 
take care of yourself. I know you're in a hurry, but if you'll take a few seconds to make sure that everything that you walked in there with will walk out there with you when you're done, I think you're going to have a much nicer day. James, what a very creative question you asked me. And you really made me think on this one. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, the beauty of this question is it really makes everybody think. I bet you're out there and you're thinking, Trace, I can think of five other things that you didn't mention on one of those senses. Well, that is the importance of this question. How do we use our five senses to make sure that everything that we're doing is the right thing and we're continuously getting better in a safe way? Folks, if you have a question for me, just like James did, you can go to our website, scalinguph2o.com, and you will see a pop-up on the right side of the screen that says send voicemail. Click on that, whatever device you are using, it will activate your microphone and it will send it directly to the fine folks here at Scaling Up H2O and you might even hear your voice on your favorite podcast. James, thanks again for your question. Thanks for all you do for Scaling Up H2O. And Nation, I wanna thank you for listening to Scaling Up H2O and all you do for Scaling Up H2O. We would not have the numbers in the Scaling Up Nation if it weren't for you letting other water treaters know how awesome this podcast is and how we're all contributing to it so we're all getting better. Folks, you're going to get another episode next week and I'll talk to you then.